The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, it's so good to have you along with us on another edition of Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio. I'm going to promise some fireworks today. I have three <laughs> guests in the studio. We're in the big Studio A today, big for us here at the Shepherd. I've got with me some pastors from the area, and we're talking about a new, it's not even open yet, so it's that new, a new outreach for the Castleberry slash Altamont slash Oviedo area, anywhere really in that part of the city that is coming. We're going to be explaining all of that. I have Ty Culbertson, Ty Culbertson from St. Luke's. Uh, it is the Methodist church. Lutheran uh, church. Uh, Lutheran church. I, I knew that. St. Luke's Lutheran church. That is in Oviedo. That's correct. And then we have our, our welcome guy that's here <laughs> all the time with me, Andy Searles from Church Together in the Castleberry area. And if, we're, my, if we're fireworks, my job today is to be a little sparkler. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now, see, even the way these you say guys, sparkler. These guys are the big, explosive, yeah, right. pretty breathtaking things. I but you say goodness. sparkler so sparkler. well. I mean, that, that just came out with that British brogue right there. I love it. And also with from my church is, is Shane Kahoot here is, that's, is with us. Shane is the associate pastor at Metro Life Church, also in Castleberry. And it was actually through Shane that I heard about this new outreach from St. Luke's Lutheran. And it is it is something that is going to be so wonderful for the community. We have a number of outreaches to this kind of a population. And I, the it's called the Alice population, asset limited, income restricted. Constrained. In, I almost said restricted, but that wouldn't be Alice. <laughs> that would be a lure. <laughs> those English lessons, yeah, we kind of right. skipped those. In, income constrained employed. Correct. And, and so that's a group of people you'd say, well, that's a big term for an acronym. What does it mean? Well, it means those that have, are working, they're gainfully employed. That's correct. But they're not making enough money to make ends meet. That's correct. And the, the number that is thrown around to help define the Alice community is anything from the poverty level up to 200% of the poverty level. And so that comes to, in our area, approximately $52,000 a year for a family of four. Now, it has to be a family of four for those constraints. I mean, if you have more or less kids, that affects that uh, ratio, right? Uh, correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that would think, well, if, a, if somebody's working, uh, and, and yet when you start to do the math and you realize what kind of income it takes for uh, all of the things to live, we all know what it's like to live. Absolutely. But when you have small children, there are a bunch of people. I know Christian Help, they have programs. I know that... The Sharing Center also work with uh, the efforts. And one of the things about the Alice community, those that are working, but again, struggling to make it, maybe at times having to make decisions between paying the electric bill or buying groceries. That's absolutely correct. And and those decisions happen uh, far too often, unfortunately. And because uh, the electric company isn't prone to give away electricity for free, Oftentimes, it's food that the difficult decision is made. And so yeah. that then uh, forces the Alice population to go to a food bank, which some people think would be, well, that's a fantastic opportunity. But the reality is that because they work for a living, uh, the key word with Alice is dignity. And so Alice loses dignity by going to a food pantry. They have to because they have no other option. But by doing so, they're robbed of their dignity. Mm -hmm. And we, we discovered this. Uh, the Alice study was done by the United Way several years ago. And in my former church in Michigan, we discovered this uh, need by uh, every month we would do a massive food giveaway and give away semi-truck trailers full of food. In this process, uh, we noticed that there was one group of people who just came in and consumed as much as they could uh, and then complained at the end. But there was a second group that came through and took selectively uh, different items, never took the last item of anything, but they left with this dejected look on their face. 
And so we realized that we weren't solving a problem here. And so we pulled together a table of these individuals of the second group and said, help us understand what we're doing wrong. And they said, well, we work for a living and we hate that we have to come ask mm-hmm. for a handout. It wasn't that you were doing anything wrong. Well, we were helping in a way that, that wasn't as helpful as it could be. Okay. And so in that process, we asked them, kind of partnering with them, well, what would you see as a good solution to this problem? And they said, all that we really want is to be able to purchase food that we can afford. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, we could probably do something that helps fix that problem. So we created a very similar store to Goods and Grace up north in Michigan called The Bridge. And so this is really uh, knocking down the kind of the, you still had to buy the food, right? Correct. Yep. And, and yes, so the, the, I guess you could say the amount of profit, the, the markup in the food was much less than what a traditional grocery store would have. Correct. And so our plan for Goods and Grace is to be able to purchase food at a, at a lowered cost uh, from companies uh, that are smaller on the, on the production level, that people that, not necessarily people that would sell food to like a Publix or, or Walmart, but smaller distributors. And then we can essentially put a white label. They'll stop production, uh, put our label on, fill it with their same product, and then they're able to sell it to us for a reduced cost. Mm-hmm. So our selling uh, food back to the Alice population will be done in such a way that we just have a small markup of five to eight cents per item uh, that we sell. So that, in other words, when we sell a pallet of food, we'll have enough money to refill that pallet of food. Uh, the the fun thing is we don't incorporate any uh, any operational costs into the cost of the food. All right. Now I think the first question has to be how is it how is it that you're operating so we operate with a combination um, partnership with st louis lutheran church as well as christian help and metro city church is is one of our 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 newest kind of add-ons to our team we also partner with ascension lutheran church there uh, in that neighborhood as well and so Financially, there's contribution from from many of those. Uh, we have several individuals at St. Luke's who have a heart for the Alice population, and and they have donated funds. Uh, and so, with the combination of that plus all of our employees will be volunteer only. Mm-hmm. And so, we have a very very small operational budget uh, that we need to meet. And so, we're able to pour absolutely everything into savings for the food. And then this location where you're going to be. A lot of people say location, location, location. Absolutely. It's, it's got to be something where people can get to it. It's kind of uh, centrally located to the community that you're wanting to go. And your website, by the way, offers a lot of this information yeah. where people can go and learn more about it, even the understanding of what an Alice family uh, would be. Absolutely. Uh, but your location, I understand you prayed for that. It wasn't available to you when you first prayed for it. That's right. We had started this planning process over three years ago. And as we got to the place where we were ready to look for our property, we had looked at this particular place because it was in the location we wanted. It had all of the features that we were looking for, the space requirement that we were looking for, and it was highly accessible. Uh, but it was not available. Not available. And so availability is uh, is maybe if there's four rules of real estate, availability is probably right after location, <laughs> location, 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 location. Yeah. right. And so it just so happened that we were patiently and diligently uh, waiting on God to show us and lead us to other properties. We had worked with a great realtor and finding uh, different possibilities, but they just didn't check all the boxes. And then um, just out of curiosity, I said, well, what about this property, meaning the property that we're looking at at 1520 East Altamont Drive. And he said, well, I'll, I'll take a look. And sure enough, it was back on the market and, and available. And the, the owner has been a joy to work with. He's been very excited about that. Uh, we had a, an event there for the community, just a, a night of, of music and, and, and peace hmm. and a night of rest is what we called it. And we invited a lot of the business owners that are surrounding that area, and they came in uh, very, very happy that that a, a ministry such as Goods and Grace was going to be in that location, uh, complaining kind of how that location had been just a, a almost a void. Mm-hmm. And to c- come that night and see it filled with light and mm. with energy and positivity was, was overjoying for, for many of the, the area business people. 
Man, that sounds exciting. I mean, you've got the makeups for a Hallmark story right here, right? I think, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Need a little snow machine, some soft music. That's right. You know, it's an end to that evil era of uh, a void, and all of a sudden, something wonderful with all serious, something that is doing something that will change people's lives. That's Absolutely. exactly what you're doing. Absolutely. How did you hear about this, Andy? How did uh, all of this come over to the fine folks there at Church Together? Yeah, so Tyg and I met uh, maybe a couple of years ago now when the vision was just in its infancy and Tyg was relatively new to, to town. And so we just kind of talked through uh, some of the uh, pitfall struggles, maybe people that he needed to uh, meet with to discover what was going on around town. But as soon as he shared the vision, it made perfect sense. And there's so much that I love about this vision. Uh, first of all, it's collaborative. Right, they're not saying, "Hey, this is something we're going to do." Uh, they're saying, "Hey, let's do this together." And so, to do that in partnership is really a beautiful thing because I think that's the way, uh, as churches, we should be if we want to make as significant impact in the kingdom as possible. Mm-hmm. Really, being the body of Christ. Right? Abs- absolutely, we all need each other. Jesus is very clear that um, uh, we are the, the the body, and we we can't do things and shouldn't do things alone. Secondly, the thing that was exciting to me was the dignity piece. Um, it's it's tough for a lot of these Alice population folks, and it gets harder if you lose your dignity in the midst of that. So to really want to care for people that spoke, but I think the thing that most captured my heart, Mike, was that Tig and his team and their partners are trying to help people, I think this is Tyg's phrase, before they fall off the cliff, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ministries to help folks who have nothing, homeless shelters, food pantries, that kind of stuff. But there's a whole lot more people on the precipice of that cliff than are falling off it. And we as a society don't do ourselves any favors if we let them fall off and then try to help them. We are way ahead of the game if we can help them beforehand. I liken it to the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, we all know that story. Mm -hmm. We all love that story. We've all taught on that story. And we love the narrative of someone who has helping someone who's been beat up. That's a good thing to do. But I think it was Martin Luther King who said, wouldn't it be great if we could fix the Jericho Road so that people didn't get beat up. Mm, I love that. Mm. And I think through goods and grace, that's one of the ministries in town that we're doing it together, that's starting to fix the broken road before people get beat up and we have to care for them there. Do you find that there is a tendency in the culture to kind of uh, group, let's say, everyone that's from those that are standing on the corners, homeless, to this, and, and they would hear people needing, like the Alice families. There's a tendency, I think, a lot of times, we don't, we don't, we just group them all together, mm. and and that shouldn't be. I mean, this whole thing of, of dignity, I think there are some people who struggle with that. They think, why, what, what is that? What is the concern? If they're getting to buy food, they, they might ask that question. What is the issue with dignity? How do you answer that if people say that? Yeah, I think our society is the haves and the have-nots. It's them and you. It's uh, me and, and and the other, whoever mm-hmm. the other is. And uh, honestly, there's a lot of pride and arrogance that uh, comes in many of the ways that we care for, for one another, right? I've got an, an anti-good. Aren't you blessed that I'm here yeah. to help mm-hmm. you? This is a com- You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> this is a completely different approach. It says... We're in it together. We're people who are loved by God. Let's love each other to health and wholeness. Well, I like the fact that we've got right here in this room three different churches that are doing exactly what you talked about, demonstrating a togetherness, demonstrating a common goal, and really wanting to see this need be met. And most importantly, these families and children. You know, Mike, just around this table, we have the haves and have-nots. I'm just looking. (laughs) 
we have the. But haves, we're talking about hair, right? We have the haves who have hair, oh, and then no, the no. have-nots who don't. <laughs> I'm with you, Shane. All right, man. It's you and me, buddy. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I wasn't going to yeah. point that Team out. Hair, but I, yeah, I tell you what, some of you. I had good things to Lord say. Lord, forgive guys. them for this arrogance that is being displayed right now on the Shepherd Radio. That's right. Let's go to Shane, who um, is from Metro Life Church, and we would be uh, kind of new to this party, if you will, kind of recently uh, made that uh, decision to, to join hands. And as we heard about it, so exciting in the meeting to hear about this thing that's coming in. And uh, just go ahead and share your story, how you heard about what was going on, because you're the one that brought it, Shane. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to say something that might be controversial here. Is this uh, about hair? No, I was going to say, Andy and I are actually really close friends. I don't know if Andy would agree with that. That's not uh, controversial. It's not controversial. Okay, we're good. Not today, uh, anyway. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Andy and I have been pastors in Castleberry for, for years. Uh, Andy, longer than I have. Much, much longer. Since he's a much, much older man. Go. Touche. We're even. Yeah. Friends uh, again. Yeah. And we uh, actually, Andy introduced me to Tyke years ago when Tyke just moved to the area. And uh, this was just an, an idea again for this area. Um, and then, uh, you know, pandemic happened and, and kind of communications kind of separated for a while. And then, uh, I found out that they are moving forward with this. Um, and we got an invite, um, to, well, actually we talked to Tig about having Castleberry pastors, pastors that we serve with in our city to gather together and for a morning at the location of goods and grace, uh, and to hear the vision there. And so, uh, Tyke came, uh, even though he's in a different city, and, and jumped in and, and kind of said, "Hey, this is happening have in your backyard." Again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is happening in your backyard, and uh, you know, he, I, I'd love to brag on him. Uh, Tyke, like, he showed such a humility. Uh, so often, when people have the finances and an idea, and, and they decide to go do something in a city, uh, they can just think that they have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Uh, they step in and they say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to accomplish. Um, and I think Tyke has walked through this with excellence and knowing uh, what the problem is, asking people in the community those kind of questions, finding what a real need is, stepping in, but then taking the step to invite pastors who actually live in that city to be a part of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what I was impacted by so much during that breakfast is Tyke sharing this and then in humility saying to the pastors, hey, here's what we need from you. Uh, we need awareness. We need your congregations. We need volunteers. Uh, and we want you guys to be a part of this. Uh, and hearing that vision from Tyke, uh, it just burned in my heart. And, you know, we went back to an elders meeting and, and we talked about it and, and made that decision that our church is going to be partners here. And the guys there that night, because I was there, yeah. uh, they're all excited about it. And it seems like this is something that is a growing thing. Who knows how many of these uh, might, might, this might serve as a model for other places, right? Correct. Absolutely. So, but, so thank you, Shane, for, for your words. I, I really appreciate that. Um, it is, it is important. I think humility is a huge piece of serving the Alice demographic in such a way that helps promote dignity. And uh, because it's, it's not a, Hey, we're from the government and we're here to help. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we're, we're a part of, we're a part of the community and we want to be able to impact a, a very underserved population mm -hmm. that uh, is invisible, but is so valuable mm -hmm. and so worth helping. Offering a handout, uh, not a handout, but a hand up. Correct. That's what my friend Doug Prusak used to say from Christian Help. And I'm up against a break. We're going to have to take it real quick. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. 
Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Segment two right here in our studio with my three guests, Tyg Culbertson, and he is from St. Luke's Lutheran Church in Oviedo. Also, Andy Searles from Church Together in Castleberry and Shane Cahoot in Metro Life Church. He's an associate pastor. And all three of these guys are uh, signed on to this vision. And obviously coming from St. Luke's, uh, it is really a, a great vision that you've laid. And uh, Shane mentioned something uh, of how the impact of the COVID virus, the whole lockdown thing, that really slowed things down, right? Yeah, that definitely slowed down the process of locating and securing and building out our store, but it also amplified the need. As many, many people who are in the Alice population lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic. And so that just exacerbated their need for for food and increase their food insecurity during that time. So for us, it it was especially challenging and difficult because we saw the need increase and our ability to respond decrease. Yeah. Now I want you, if you will, to speak of two things. You just brought up a second term. I think a lot of us that aren't working in the outreach to those of the Alice families or those that are homeless may not be as familiar with these two concepts. The first we've already touched on, the, the issue of dignity and then the second thing of, of food insecurity, because that's a phrase that I've heard numerous times with outreaches. So go ahead, if you will, Ty, sure. and speak to both of those. So from a dignity standpoint, uh, perhaps it's it's easy to understand that it's it's one of those things that if you have dignity, you really don't take you take it for granted, right? It's like if you if you don't have back pain, you take your back for granted. If you have back pain, you long for the time when you no longer have back pain, right? And it's something that you hunger for. It's incredibly imperative. It's it's central and core to you being able to function and move. And so for for dignity, it's it's much the same. If you you only really value it and appreciate it when you're on the cusp of losing it, or if you've already lost it. And that it's that uh Humble is not even the right word for somebody who's who's lost dignity, but it's it's a brokenness of soul, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's more like even humiliation for them. Correct, right? I would uh, say so. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's the, those two words are somewhat tied together, but the humiliation aspect is obviously the worst possible scenario of the first. Right. So I mean, that's exactly what's happened. They feel like they've lost everything, and in many ways, they're reminded. That they've lost everything. And and again, because they work for a living, their ability to provide for themselves is is a huge priority. And when that ability is taken away or removed, then there's tremendous loss involved. Mm-hmm. And so dignity is really the key word in in helping the Alice population and preserving them. And so that's why that's why we don't give food away for free. Uh, we, we don't do, do anything for free. Everything, uh, we always ask them and to partner with them and get skin in the game so that they're a part of it. And um, that's, that's a very key piece. The, the other piece with dignity is, is development. Uh, anytime you serve or help somebody, there's different ways and phases that you can do so. There's, a, there's the immediate need relief when someone experiences tragedy and trauma, and so you rush in, and the person doing the help does almost all, if not all, of the helping for the person who is helpless at that moment. But you never want them to stay in a position of being helpless, right? You want to be able to grow them into a new and develop them into a different phase. And, and then that phase of development then is one where the helper helps part of the way but the person who needs the help also contributes to the solution. And when you have that process, you're starting to build in more and more dignity that that person mm-hmm. has, that then you want to eventually get to a place where the helper is more of a coach, a mentor, a cheerleader, and the person who needs the help is doing most of the work themselves. And so you never want to help in such a way that you limit the advancement or development of somebody. You always want to be encouraging them to progress. So for example, one of our partners, our primary partner is Christian help. They have a food pantry and we're deliberating whether or not is that, uh, are those ideas opposed to each other or can they be uh, cooperative in function so that when we have somebody who is currently, 
uh, receiving food from the food pantry at Christian Help, how do we then slowly get them to a place where they can purchase food at Goods and Grace? So seeing it as more of a, a progression of help mm-hmm. and developmental in nature. Wow, that, that is so well said. This is something that I think immediately, uh, you know, it's not only benefiting the people who are gaining dignity, if you will, by buying it, but those workers that uh, the volunteers that are good and grace, there's a benefit for them too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there's great joy in, in serving the Alice population because somebody who has kept their dignity is very, very prone to sharing gratitude. Mm-hmm. And the people who uh, who serve and volunteer often get moved to tears by somebody who's come to shop to the store, who's experienced grace perhaps for the first time in a long time, and it's it's overwhelming. Wow! And so yeah. we have those those moments of carrying groceries out to their car, uh, and there's no catch, there's no hidden cost, there's no there's no hook, there's no expectation that they come and and worship two out of four mm-hmm. weeks in order to receive this uh, ability to purchase food from us, it's just grace. And they, they don't, they're not used to receiving it. And so they break down and gives our, our volunteers an opportunity to say, tell me what's going on in your life. What can, what can I pray for? Mm -hmm. And it's just pure, pure love expressed. And, and that's, that's an exhilarating thing. There's so many things that I see you're producing. You're producing hope you're producing a good attitude and an optimism about the future when a person can come in and buy something and they can actually afford it for their family. Uh, th- that produces something inside of them that says, hey, we can make it. We're making it. Yeah. And it's a positive thing. It is. And we found in Michigan that many people who were our shoppers wanted to give back and contribute be- because they're Alice. Financially, that was a difficulty but they would come back and volunteer because it was such a meaningful experience for mm-hmm. them to come and shop. And the community that we found that was established by our, our customers was really interesting. Mm-hmm. People would come to the store because they loved the community and the fellowship with other people, with the volunteers, with the other shoppers. And they would spend, they'd spend 20, 30 minutes just talking and praying. And then all of a sudden look at their watch and panic and go, Oh my goodness, I've got, I've got like six seconds mm-hmm. to shop. And so they'd kind of rush through the shopping, but that community and that fellowship was something that wasn't something that we were set out to accomplish, but it was really cool to see yeah. God establish that. Now, and to the other two guys that are here, again, all my all all of my guests are pastors here, so this is pretty exciting. Uh, what do you see as something that is a benefit for both churches, uh, the other two churches that are represented here, when it's not? This is like evangelism out of the box. It's not your typical evangelistic thrust. So. If you had members of your own congregations, both Shane and Andy, and they would say, why would we be a part of that? Or they're not saying I'm against it or anything, but sure. what is the compelling reason? What would you tell them? Yeah. Oh, let me jump in there. Uh, even transitioning from that question, from what Ty was just talking about, about dignity. Um, you know, what I love so much about the language you're using, Ty, and the intentions of this ministry is you use the word partnering. You're partnering with yeah. the person there. Right. Um, and so often what we do is we come into communities and we say, I know what your problem is, even if we haven't asked them, and I'm the solution to fix it. Hmm. Uh, and instead, this is saying, hey, what is the problem and how can I partner with you in that? Absolutely. And and I think maybe even a better word than giving dignity is we are affirming dignity that's there. Um, like everyone is made in the image of God. and And no matter how low they've gotten, there's mm-hmm. still dignity mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And it's almost affirming something that's inherently there yeah. that starts to give them the sense, I am dignified. Uh, and I just love that the ministry is doing this. I think for our church, what the benefit we get, um, we talk about evangelism out of the box. Uh, our culture right now is a post-Christian culture. And, and what I mean by that is I think that a lot of the assumptions that have been around so long in our culture that church is good, faith is good, family is good. Um, those aren't common assumptions anymore. Yeah, it's not there. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, uh, so the days of coming and giving a gospel presentation uh, to an absolute stranger, uh, there's still fruit there, uh, and the Lord still saves through that. Um, but I believe it's through 
ministries like this, where we embody the message uh, and build relationship, and we come alongside and say, we want to partner with you, and and we want to live with you and invite you into community, uh, that is so winsome to people. And, and I think it really lays the foundation for saying the gospel and proclaiming it to someone else in a way that um, can be heard. You know, I think, Andy, you said uh, a while ago we were talking about building bridges of grace. Um, and maybe you could share a little bit about that if you're willing to. So I'm telling you what to say. <laughs> that was totally top secret and personal. Yeah. No, what, what, I was, what I was talking about was how do we, how do we reach a, a world that thinks and looks and lives very differently than we do. Mm. And part of our role as Christians is as bridge builders, uh, ultimately between uh, us and God who mm-hmm. uh, and, and Christ who is the ultimate bridge to God, right? Mm. And we talk about building bridges of grace that are strong enough to carry the weight of truth. So building bridges of grace strong enough to carry the weight of truth. So often as Christians, we go in and say, this is the truth, you got to follow it. <laughs> And without a relationship of grace and understanding of grace, that that truth hurts more than it helps. You know, I think relationship, uh, developing relationship like this, even thinking of people who come in, they're looking at this, those that are in the Alice population, once goods and grace has its doors open and they're coming in, they're looking at this as an opportunity to buy food. Right. But it it's going to be much more than that as relationships are developed, right? Absolutely. So we were we were talking about that that phrase evangelism outside the box. And I did not know that when I said that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you touched on it and Shane duplicated it and I want to I want to hey, duplicate tell it. us about evangelism well, outside well, the box. Let me talk about that. It's amazing that when you and it's so compelling as Shane said that when you take a look at at Jesus whenever he was performing a miracle Right, he is fulfilling some sort of social need in that moment, right? And John lets us know, the gospel writer for John lets us know that these things were recorded so that we would see and believe. Right? These these accounts were written so that we could see and believe. And many times, you know, as Jesus is healing the man who, who couldn't walk, uh, his his first comment to the man was, Your sins are forgiven. Mm. And you know, the guy is like I, I would really like to walk. Right? That's my that's my most pressing need. If you need. really want to bless me, right. um, let right. me walk. Right. And in in his mind, that was his most pressing need. Jesus knew his his most right. pressing need was life everlasting. But right. so Jesus' response is, well, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, get up, mm. pick up your mat, and walk. Mm. Right. And so these miracles they validate the the power and authority that Jesus has to forgive sins. But he starts with that social need, and so he he heals the blind, he raises the dead, he does amazing things so that you would know that he has the power to forgive sins. So we follow that same model in addressing this social need that's acute and critical in their minds, uh, and then that allows us to build, like you said, Mike, a, a relationship. And within the context of that relationship now, you've got a listening ear who's open and receptive and hungry for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's amazingly fun to see. It really is. You know, I'm thinking about the fact that the illustration you just gave, Jesus's response to that man that was, was giving him dignity. In it was, life. absolutely. You know, I mean, that is exactly, I think at times we forget that we, from the Lord, we have been forgiven much. Amen. And we've been given great blessings and benefit from the Lord that uh, I don't think we often think about. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you started to say something, Andy. Well, I think, I think as well, it's important for us to realize the kingdom of God does not operate outside of society. Amen. Right? It, 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 it breathes and it builds within it, mm. right? There is not a sacred and a secular, right, right before God. The challenge for the churches is, is, is how can we integrate Right? How can we live incarnationally, mm. right, in a way that people see Jesus in us? We're Amen. not, we're not better than anyone. We're not worse. We're in it together, yeah. and let's bring the gospel in it together. Mike, your question was why? Why are we involved? And I think that's one of the reasons. And this is one of the things I love about my brothers here. Um, Ty knows that the solution for the world is not a bigger, better 
larger, more dominant St. Luke. Shane knows the same about Metro. It's the kingdom of God that's going to change mm-hmm. the world. That's yes. right. And we get involved because a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if we can do our little bit. Wait a minute. Got to write that one down. That's good. <laughs> right. Like if we it. can do our little bit and pour our little bit yeah. of water in, and you guys can pour your little bit of water in, and these guys are pouring their little bit of Everybody gets better, but if that water is the kingdom of God, man, things are really starting to change, yes. and that's really exciting. That's beautiful. We've just about up against another break. Go ahead and give us the uh, the the uh, website for Goods and Grace, and maybe if you can speak to when. I know you don't have a uh, maybe an exact date in mind. I don't know, but when will this be open? Sure. Our website is goodsandgrace.org goodsandgrace.org. So nice and easy to remember that way. Uh, Our goal, uh, optimistically, is to be open in May. So right around the corner. Yeah, that's right around the corner. It is. So we've got uh, one more piece of licensing to wrap up. Uh, Everything else is set to go, and then we're ordering food, getting it set up, final inspections, and open doors. Now, you know, when we get back, I would love for you to kind of give us a kind of a rundown on that piece of property again, which if people think about it, those that are driving by that intersection, it's a very big intersection in the, uh, uh, I guess that would be Seminole County area Correct. right there uh, near the Castleberry uh, intersection of 1792 and 436 right there. And so it's a beautiful area. Uh, I'll have you do the rundown on what people can kind of, uh, Expect when they walk in the door there. Absolutely. So once they walk in, the the building itself is split into two main sections uh, on the ground floor. And so we'll have be able to do groceries on both sides as well as a a nice check-in station so that we have an opportunity to record uh, who has come so that we know how many families that we're we're bringing help to. Um, And then we'll be able to either go with another shopper, uh, a volunteer helper, uh, but to able to go and collect all of the food that they would like to to pay for, and then they they make their purchase, and then on uh, on their way out, we we walk them to their car and and load them load the groceries up for them. It's full service. Full service. It sounds like it is. Goods and Grace coming maybe as soon as May. My guest Tig Culbertson from St. Luke's Lutheran Church in Oviedo. Also Andy Searles, Church Together, and Shane Cahoot from Metro Life. In Castleberry, we'll be back with all three in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Segment three now here with Tig Culbertson, also with Andy Searles, who has been on my program a number of times, and Shane Cahoot from Metro Life Church. Andy, in the break, we were you were talking, and I loved what you were saying. Why don't you share about uh, maybe just giving us a peek into the redemption of this area of uh, Castleberry, where this new outreach is going to be very soon. Yeah, one of the things I love about ministering in Castleberry and, and the work that, that Tig and his team are doing is that by its very nature, it is redemptive. And Castleberry is a city that is looking for a new identity, and we together as churches want to help build that and feed into that. But as Tig was sharing about the location and the building, I was reminded a number of years ago before they built that flyover that goes up and down 1792, The DOT knew they needed to do something because I think back then, maybe now, 70, 80,000 cars a day go through that intersection. And it was just getting too congested. So they did all the studies, all the research, and they could have put the flyover uh, over 436 and down 436, right? The numbers kind of balanced out. So somehow there's a a CRA there and the city of Castleberry was involved, and it was decided that they would go up and over 436, down 1792. The reason why and the advantage of that for the city 
was that it forced the DOT to have to eminent domain a lot of the gentlemen's clubs and the strips clubs that were there that were causing all kinds of trouble in our city. So it was fascinating to me, as Tig said that, that over the last few years, in a plan that we knew nothing of, Mm. but God clearly did, God is redeeming that corner, what the enemy used for evil in the exploitation of women, the destruction of men and marriages. And families. And families he's now using to help him rebuild families. That's what community transformation and community Man. redemption looks like. That's very powerful. That, I think mm. that's a drop mic moment right there. Let's let's all go home. These are pretty yeah. expensive mics, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, it's, it's, it's so incredible when God reclaims an area. Yeah. And I think there's a, a great reclamation happening. Mm. Now, when it comes down to an area like Castleberry, that that area that you're just describing, Andy, that intersection that used to be a, a kind of almost you'd have to almost shield your kids eyes when you're driving through there. There were not only mm-hmm. bad things that you knew that was that were going on, but I mean, just the visual impact of the area was a, a concerning thing, too. Mm-hmm. So to see all of this happen to where the city is made much more beautiful and that area went from the what would be the dregs of worldliness and destruction and moral depravity into a beautiful area. Mm. And and that is really a part of God's wonderful plan, I believe, for how the gospel, when it comes in, it just brings light into darkness. It does. Right. I think that's and just And the darkness wonderful. shall not overcome it. That's right. Wow, that's pretty exciting, especially if you're looking at this thing opening up as soon as you are. I know a lot of people have been praying for years. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned pre-pandemic. So that yep. takes us back, what, into 19, 18? 19, yep. 2019, this idea, sometimes a great idea, takes a while to get it out there. It does. And and timing is everything, right? Absolutely. Timing is is uh, is absolutely everything and never necessarily on our schedule, right? But God's schedule is always best. And he knew that if it needed to go in in that location, then it would take a little bit of time. And so I've, I've never really been anxious about finding the location, just knowing that there was one, God had one in mind and, and that he would open it up. We actually, in the midst of our frustration, thought about, well, maybe instead of a brick and mortar store, that we should do something like a portable, drivable store and mm-hmm. have a, a semi-tractor that would be able to open up and become a store that we could take around no matter where we wanted to go. Uh, but we we really believe very strongly that that would not allow us to build the relationships within a community that we truly wanted to, and that that was one of our key values. And so we, we held strong to that, and God was indeed faithful and, and revealed this location to us. It's a wonderful thing. You know, guys, when I, I think about this outreach, uh, the goods and grace, it's coming soon. Uh, I'm thinking of the whole big umbrella kind of ministry of missions and local missions and being effective as a local church. Uh, Shane, I know that's in your heart, too, from knowing you and spending time with you at Metro Life. The role that uh, getting out and taking the gospel out of the four walls of the building, it's, it, that should be a very a big thing to every one of us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if your gospel stays in a building on Sunday morning— um, then it's not the gospel. Uh, you know, we're talking about how Jesus uh, redeems actual physical locations, you know, by changing the landscape of a city. But what the gospel is, is that God has redeemed us as individual people. Um, and that leads to a transformed life and a transformed story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, for us uh, to, you know, take the good news that we've received um, that, uh, Christ has died for us and, and that we are free in him and to keep it hidden away or even in a church building and say to others, you know, you can have it if you come through these doors. Mm-hmm. Um, that's putting a barrier in the way for people. Uh, but instead, what I think the church is and what's healthy is that members of the church, every individual realizes that they are the priesthood of Christ um, and they're going out and even in their workplaces, in the community, uh, in the places we shop, play, and, and all those places that uh, we would just have simple conversations and we would relate our faith to others. 
Um, and so that's huge for us at Mitchell Life Church. And part of our local mission is to go out into the community of Castleberry locally around our building uh, and listen to what real needs are um, and then partner with the people in our community um, to serve them and adorn the gospel by our service. That's incredible. Yeah, I love that about you and 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 Metro. That's that's an amazing heart to have, and I, I admire that very much. Oh, thanks, Ty. Appreciate it. Now I know that you've been a part of this, Andy uh, Searles. You've described uh, many times your heart on my program with me uh, of getting out there. I know you work with the police department as. Uh, basically a chaplain. As Shane does too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Shane, yeah. you do that as if, well. If people need to talk to a chaplain with hair, they call me. If not, then Shane <laughs> gets the first, call. That's the, the first question the officer asks. <laughs> Would you like one with hair or without? <laughs> that's twice now, man. Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know where to go from here, but <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'm I'm barely ha- I'm barely hanging on here. So, so yeah, all, all that to say. I mean, both Shane and I, uh, and others mm-hmm. over the years have kind of uh, locked arms as we've dived into this ocean of community need, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so together we're doing stuff that none of us could have done on our own, mm-hmm. and we're trying to take that first step and encouraging our churches to come with us shane heads up our neighbor to neighbor project where we uh, work with our local code enforcement to fix some of the code violations for those who are unable to fix them and god's doing great redemptive stuff through that we do stuff with the police we've just brainstorming about how we can do some family events together um you know and, and, and me as a pastor and i know these guys feel it too there are so many pressures internally inside our church that it's hard to take outward steps on our own but if we can link together as churches and pastors as i think jesus had in mind for his church (laughs) then it's amazing what we can accomplish together you know when i hear this i have to ask the question and i i don't know that we have the answer at all i'm not assuming we do but why would other churches i hear often uh, of pastors who feel like they're alone and they're mm. they're basically uh, isolated from other ministries and other parts uh, of the state, uh, even in our own region around here. And I don't know why other areas aren't embracing what you guys in Castleberry and Oviedo are doing. But I mean, this seems to be a strong part of this association of pastors that you take part with. I, I think so. But I have every sympathy for the communities and churches that aren't doing it and for the struggle that many pastors have coming to the table. We could do a whole week's worth of episode Mm -hmm. on how hard it is to pastor today. And we, I mean, these guys are much further along than I am, but I feel it still. And the temptation is to... um, uh, stay inside, and uh, the pastoral load is is heavy. Um, you know, as a pastor, ironically, often it's hard to trust other people. Ironically, it's hard to trust other pastors, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's just a, a lot of slow steps in the same direction um, before we can kind of build the, the, the trust that we have. But it's it's hard and it does feel different what's happening among us, and I'm very grateful to God for that. You know, I think of uh, the illustration of a runner, and I never was much of a runner. You look like a runner. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> not a runner. But I, I have occasionally, and mostly during basketball games, experienced the rush of endorphins when you're you're out there doing it, you're, you're running, you're having fun, it's, it brings joy to the heart, and there is this joy that is released in a natural way. Mm. Well, I think in the spiritual way, that same thing can happen when pastors who have a vision like you guys do, and they join hands, mm. they join arms with other pastors, other churches, they come together, they're working on something together in the area like you guys mm. are, I believe it releases this corporate joy to people who are involved. It really does. It really does. And when we were initially determining where we wanted to uh, place our store, uh, we were looking at different heat maps for where a predominant number of Alice families live. And a large number lived in in Sanford, 
but when you combine the two cities of Castleberry and Altamont Springs, that number is larger than in Sanford. So we were thinking, well, logically, it makes sense for us to kind of be somewhere sandwiched in between those two. Um, that was our line of thinking. God knew in advance that there is a group of pastors in Castleberry who are tight knit from multiple different denominations in the Christian church who are working together in the community. And it was, it was a complete divine connection of, of meeting together in, in us at St. Luke's thinking that's where we want to be. And God in his divine foreknowledge, knowing, you know what, Ty, there's a group of pastors that are ready to team together oh, who already beautiful. have great relationships and are ready to go. And, and talking of joy, Mike, when we met together as pastors at the Goods and Grace location and we prayed together, yeah. there was a beautiful, sweet, light spirit mm. that touched a number of us to the point of tears. Yeah. Wow. That's it, wonderful. It was, I don't know it how to beautiful. describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing of God. And there's Amen. just something wonderful when you, uh, you're part of that. You see something that's it's been prayed over for years now, and it's finally becoming real. I know that's a tag for you. That's got to be really amazing. It is absolutely amazing to to go from a place of of dreaming about it to prayerfully planning it and strategizing and and then to see God open up all the doors with all the right relationships and all the right time is nothing short of 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 beauty. Give us the mm-hmm. website one more time. Goodsandgrace.org. Goodsandgrace.org. I love my panel here today. Shane Cahoot, also Andy Searles, and Ty Culverson from Goods and Grace, St. Luke's uh, Lutheran Church in Oviedo. It is great to have all three of you. We look forward to it. Will there be a grand opening? There will be a grand opening once we, we have that all set. So I, I can make sure to, to let you know when yeah, that will be. Yeah, want to know. And uh, we're very, very excited to, to do that and get things kicked off and, and just see the ministry unfold in that place. I would say that if, if anybody listening would uh, like to volunteer at Goods and Grace, just go to our website, goodsandgrace.org, and there uh, scroll down on that front page and you'll see a place to volunteer and uh, our good friends at Christian Help are headlining the, the volunteer efforts, and so they'll, they'll get you onboarded and ready to go. Well, Vicki's going to be up here soon herself uh, talking about things there. Beautiful. So uh, I will, I'm sure, talk about this one as well. All right, it's been great to have you guys here. And friends, thank you for joining us for yet another program. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music>